Hello, and welcome to the Shaman's Cave, and I'm Renee Barabo. And I'm Sandra Ingerman. Welcome, everyone. And the other day when I got this email from Sandra that says, let's talk about Greta, I assumed that she had autocorrect on her, her spell and that she meant, let's talk about gratitude, because I'm such a, like, ignoramus, I guess is the best word. I'm there like, Greta who? And I think that goes to my my blinders on that I try not to absorb so much of what social media and what everything's going on around me and that I really stick close to how am I showing up as a human being today but then I realized well maybe I'm not showing up so good if I don't even know who Greta is and so of course I went and did my research and Sandra's got some excellent ideas that she wants to cover in today's talk. Yeah so um I'm assuming that most of you are aware of Greta Thunberg, and she's she's really um, making a huge um, splash on uh, the environmental climate change scene. And uh, if you're not aware of her, she's a teenage girl. Um, she has Asperger's, and the reason um, that label, I'm not into labels, um, but the reason that label has particular meaning for me is it's always been clear that uh, it's the children coming in with what are being called Asperger's and autism that are actually um, tuned in to the reality of what's happening. And so we put a label on them that something's wrong with them, but actually they're more tuned in than we are. And so what they're bringing through is the real information and they have real uh, solutions. Um, it's just part of that particular diagnosis. There's a brilliance, there's a genius that goes with those diagnoses. And uh, we shouldn't use those diagnoses um, to see anybody as handicapped. We should use those diagnoses to see uh, these beings as people who hold solutions for us, whether or not we wanna hear them or not. And that's really what's happening with Greta is she's telling the truth and nobody wants to hear it. And so she's really being um, taken down right now uh, in social media. And so the two parts of, I've been following Greta for about a year now, so I'm aware of her actions and what she's been sharing. But um, her speech to the UN to me was, uh, was quite amazing uh, what she was willing to say. And the two things that stand out for me and what Renee and I are uh, gonna focus on today is um, she, she said uh, with passion and a very impassioned statement that her generation and generations uh, coming in before her are gonna hate um, uh, the baby boomers. Uh, I know that there's a lot of you who are young, so I'm not going to put us in there. It's a certain generation that we're going to be hated forever through history. And so many of you who watch The Shaman's Cave 
are so um, embroiled and enmeshed in what we did to First Nations people, what we did to Indigenous people, and we're lost in, in that hate. But let's move from that hate to the present situation that's happening now, that we're a generation that the baby boomers are a generation that has failed future generations. We've just failed them. And um, the other thing that Greta uh, said, which I think is of utmost importance, is that we're looking, the baby boomers and um, uh, the generations, you know, the older generations are looking for the, uh, to the younger people for hope. And she said, how dare you? Um, because we're the ones who wrecked uh, the planet for the next generation. And the fact that uh, we're looking to um, teenagers and younger generations for hope, it is an insult. And the last thing I want to say before I turn this over <laughs> to me, because I'm, I'm talking a lot, is I actually got to see the impact of this um, a really long time ago, uh, probably over 10 years ago, I was on an airplane, I was teaching in Europe, and I was going from one workshop, I think it might have been in Austria to Switzerland. And on the plane, I was sitting next to a businessman who, uh, he lived in England, but he did all of his business in Russia. And he talked about, um, and this is a very sad story for me because one of my triggers is elder abuse and uh, what happens to the elderly and how we treat the elderly because I see the elderly as innocents like babies mm -hmm. and that they need better care. And he was talking about how the young generation were kicking the um, Russian grandmothers who were um, sitting on the street begging for money because they said, you ruined our lives, you ruined our lives. And they abused all the grandmothers who were sitting on the streets. And that story really touched me. And here we are again, fast forward to 2019 uh, in America, where um, we're looking at that scenario um, starting up again and i just find that that's sad that um that we're not willing to support the future generations we better take a deep breath on that and sandra and i've been having these conversations now for almost a year and i don't know in a relationship so some of the infatuation wears off we love each other still a lot <laughs> And yet you start to see, you know, what's different or where, where, so as I said, I didn't know who Greta was and I had to go look. And so the first video I watched was the UN piece and I wrote Sandra and I go, well, I don't believe her. I don't believe her. I don't, I don't know if somebody else wrote this speech. And so when she explained to me that she had Asperger's, that made a little more sense to me. And so I dug a little deeper into one of her TED talks where I could find some resonance with, 
with her because I wasn't. And I, and I want to say that honestly, that while I believe what she's saying that our generation or this, you know, this baby boomer generation has kind of really been thoughtlessly using up resources and also that, um, you know, that we're the generation that's supposed to give the younger generation hope, not the reverse. I was just having a hard time. So, you know me, I went over to my alt, my alt, alt gurus to see what they were saying about the whole thing. And, you know, there was all the pictures of, you know, this is an actress, this is this, and this is this. And, and it just keeps me coming back to in my own world is how do I find the truth within me? And so when I took that question, how do I find the truth within me when I can't believe any of the information that's coming from the Googles and the Facebooks and all of those other places? How do I know what's true for me? Well, of course, that got me into this whole conversation with myself is like, what am I willing to do to, what am I willing to be an activist for? What am I willing to change in my own world? Because so much of this for me is I believe that, you know, instead of a lot of external screaming and hollering, that if everyone just did their own piece of work, we'd all show up better. And then I had to ask myself, well, Renee, you haven't become a vegan. You know, I'm driving down the street and everybody's got one person in the car, including me. I'm looking around my kitchen to see how much plastic there still is. And I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, are we just a bunch of um, hypocrites? Yeah, we are. I mean, I do believe we are. But I'm amazed at uh, my students, uh, you know, on my Facebook pages for the SHIP Network, because we're working deeply with becoming nature-based again. And it's amazing to me the changes that people are making. And instead of uh, destroying their entire lives and starting from scratch, they're making one small change at a time. And uh, one small change of not using plastic bags or one small change of recycling more or composting more. Um, and so I'm a, I'm a Capricorn and, and my philosophy of life and how I've gotten through my life has been instead of making, trying to make gigantic leaps that cause me to be paralyzed. Because when we look at the big picture of what we're facing on the planet, and if we all were really going to participate uh, in an activist way of changing our lives, it could leave us to a place of uh, para feeling paralyzed because what do you start with? Um, everything is out of control right now. So for me, it's what's the very first step? So becoming a vegan is a huge leap. A lot of my students have. Um, and I haven't, I'm not a vegan, but um, I'm, throw, I'm getting rid of uh, all the plastic in our house and we're replacing it with other materials. And so that's where we're starting. Mm -hmm. And so the question really is, is where are you willing to start? Um, not looking at 
tossing your whole entire life out the window and then going, oh my God, the changes are just too overwhelming, too big. There's too much to do. How about if every person makes one small change? What would that do? What would that start to fuel um, as far as a reflection coming back to us about our good actions that we're taking in behalf of all of life? And last week when we did the episode on the light and darkness, the responses were awesome. I mean, I just, it was such, such food for, for contemplation on the wall and on YouTube. I would love to have people go on to the Shaman's Cave Facebook group or on YouTube and make that commitment out loud. What one small action am I willing to take that will put me on the path of, you know, turning the ship around? Absolutely. And, and, um, you know, really uh, supporting our youth and finding ways to do that. Um, you know, right now on Facebook, basically what people are doing is tearing down all the teenagers who are uh, coming out about climate change. And, you know, Greta is being told to take a gun and shoot herself and um, uh, admit herself into a mental institution, get on drugs. I saw this morning on the news that even children who are eight years old who are starting to speak out are being completely dragged down for asking um, our generation to make changes so that they may live. And why are we having children if we're not willing to take care of them? And I'm sure that there are species out there that uh, don't take care of their children, but um, the human beings are making a huge statement of endlessly having children and then not caring. We, we, uh, we had dinner um, with a, a wonderful young couple wonderful young couple who have um, two kids and they're terribly worried about their kids, but they're, they're driving these gigantic, gigantic cars. And um, they're living a life that I can't tell you how much they're contributing to environmental pollution, but yet they're worried about their kids. And uh, I can't, I, I can't, um, I can't connect the dots. I just can't connect, connect the dots to that. How asleep can we be that we're willing to bring children into the world and not take care of them? What other species does that? I don't know, I'm sure there are, but we're making quite a statement. Well, and that brings me to another point about our lip service is that, you know, overpopulation. Um, I think back to Enlo when he got rid of humanity because they were noisy humans who had overpopulated and were making too much noise. And so, you know, the winds and the monsoon and the waters, you know, just wiped out everyone. And, and, and facing Anthropocene, we're here again. We're here at that choice again. And so do I hold the position of we've all, this is all predestined and we all decided to be here at this 
you know, major catastrophe once again, or, you know, can we really positively affect change? And, and I, I don't know that, that I really have an answer except for that I was looking at my own hypocrisy when we were having this conversation and then, you know, looking how dare I judge somebody else who's speaking up, whether or not their speech is canned or written or, you know, who wrote it for them, you know, because that's me going into my judgment, like, you know, what 16 year old girl has this speech writing capability, you know, and is that the, the judgment I use to, you know, justify me going out in my car this afternoon alone and driving across town. So, you know, I have to say that for me, it's always a turning a flashlight back onto the self to see how am I really doing? How am I? And maybe we need a, a scorecard because I don't know that I'm doing all that great to tell you the truth. And, and so, and I'm the first to admit it. Yeah, I think we're all in the same, in a very similar place. Uh, it, it depends on, you know, there are a lot of people who have chosen to live an incredibly simple life, very close to nature. So we can't overgeneralize that the entire population, you know, but we can look at those of us who have been going along, living our lives a particular way, and we're used to it. And the bottom line is our ego, our personality doesn't want to give up any of our comforts and we don't really want to make any changes. And so for me, it's, uh, I guess it's a time of reflection. Um, it, it's a time for all of us to reflect on um, do we want to be seen as a generation that our future descendants sing to us, sing about us, honoring us for leaving them a good planet? Or do we want to be the generation uh, that um, for years uh, it's going to be like um, how we feel about what we did to indigenous cultures uh, the younger kids um, are going to be dealing with uh, so much emotion um, about what we left them. And for those of us who are still living at that point, how is that going to feel? What is that guilt going to feel like? And I'm not saying that um, we should feel guilty, but we should uh, be willing to be responsible because spiritual work is wonderful. And, you know, most of my time uh, teaching has been talking about how the spiritual work that we do can make a difference and the miracles that come from our healing work. But I've been out there long enough to know that at this point we have to add physical actions to the spiritual work that we're doing the spiritual work just isn't enough. Absolutely. And I was wondering where you were going to come to on that position, because, you know, I know with your transfiguration work and things like that, you know, that you're working at a subtle energy level. And there's a lot of other uh, healers and light workers I know who work on the grid and work on the, you know, all of those things, which are, you know, way far out of my realm of experience. And, but can you be standing there holding, you know, your intention for the fault line in California and then, you know, drinking 10 bottles of, of plastic water a day. 
I don't know. That's, that's an integrity question. The other place for me that our activism is out of balance is, is that our fighting about the future is so out of whack. Like we're fighting about something and, and this fight is actually, I believe it's kind of fracturing the soul of humanity right now that we're like duking it out instead of like taking personal action. And so I guess that's what brings me always back to what right personal action can I take and feel good about in my life today that might make a difference in the next seven generations? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I've already talked about this on some of our shows, but, you know, there, there, I have a lot of students who are going out and mobilizing their communities and taking them to beaches and taking them to areas in the country where just a tremendous amount of garbage has been dumped. And together as a community, uh, creating projects where they're cleaning up their local area, that's huge. That's huge. That's not a big deal to call together friends and community members and go to a place that's been trashed and, and pick up some of the trash. You know, these are things that really make a difference. And uh, these are things that open up a doorway once we start to do a simple action like picking up some garbage on the street all of a sudden uh, new ideas come of other things that we can do. And then we take away the overwhelm factor when we just look at one small action at a time. Absolutely. And, you know, I go back to this because, you know, I work in the addiction treatment industry and, and, and so the next generation is depressed. I did a, a Narcan training last week for a, a group of about 30 people and I was talking about bias. And one of the questions I asked was, you know, how many people in that room had witnessed an overdose? And almost every one of them raised their hands. I asked them how many had overdosed. Again, almost every one of them had raised their hands. So we can't live in our glass bubble when we have a whole generation coming up that's addicted, depressed, anxiety-ridden, and stressed, you know, overstressed and traumatized by something that they can't even identify because there's no, there's no kite string tethered to where this kite's going. And, and so at a level of responsibility, we have a generation that has lost their hope. So she's right when she says, how dare you? You know, we're not even giving them any hope. And, you know, basically we have, we've created a hopeless generation. Right. Absolutely. And we've taken away community because um, it was uh, the communities that ended up becoming um, uh, that kite string for Mm -hmm. um, the younger generation. And now that we really don't have communities anymore, uh, there is no place for a lot of these kids. Um, so I, I know that, you know, a few years ago, I watched endless specials on um, what's happening to a lot of these kids that are having breakdowns and there's no longer support in the medical community. 
So they're just being sent home to their parents and their parents are overwhelmed. They don't know what to do. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're really uh, looking at what happens when we move away from a nature-based way of living and a community way of living. We've just become so isolated and it's in that isolation that kids end up, end up being becoming depressed. And and that's you know I do a lot of pushing the Win Clan is is creating having people create communities like going out in there like there's Win Clan members who are in New Braunfels, Texas, and Louisville, Kentucky. These places where you know spiritual communities hadn't grown up 20 years ago, you know, and so there's like this real craving for people to come together and so to me that's one thing that everyone who who wants to teach or who wants to you know bring their shamanism work and start with a small meetup group in your own town and hear what people are saying hear what people are concerned about and give people a place to come together and you know journey or to do those things because now's the time the internet has has made this worldwide information and made us so disconnected to each other and to ourselves that, that, you know, maybe meeting people at the courthouse for a protest is the only way that we know how to get together because we become socially inept, you know, well, I'll just meet there. Okay. Well, what do we do now? Oh, we go for coffee. Oh yeah. I mean, we, I, I know for myself that I've gotten so far out of that as well. So mm -hmm. I think there's so much food for thought here, Sandra. What do you think? I think there is too. And for me, the first step is to reflect on our conversation and reflect on where you're at in your life. Um, I, I have received so many emails over the last year from people who consider themselves as elderly and really don't have the physical capability to go out there and protest and um, be part of um, some of the activist uh, activities. And that was the place uh, in spiritual communities where elders, it was their job to go within, uh, to meditate, uh, to do their spiritual work, um, to be a force in their communities through emanating love and light to others, and uh, having that opportunity to change themselves. And so the point that I'm trying to make is we can't make a blanket statement about what every one of you should be doing. We're basically planting a seed that um, uh, my whole career, and it's not a career because it's been a way of life for me, I don't see it as a career, has been teaching people about the power of spiritual practices. And I still believe that, but I also believe we have come to a time, we've finally come to a time when that's not enough. Mm. So please share on the wall what tools you have, you know, what ideas you have, what small thing that you can do that you're, you're willing to commit to. And for me, if anyone knows me, commitment means that we do it no matter what. 
you know, if somebody, if there's a movie opportunity on Saturday comes up and I have a commitment, then I still do the commitment. And I think we could start with what is the idea of a commitment and do commitment. Are they flexible? No, commitments aren't flexible. You know, we, we've lost our way in terms of, oh, now commitment can be flexible. No. What one thing I'm asking you, are you willing to commit to that you are willing to, to help make the world a better place for the next seven generations? I will just say ditto to that. <laughs> All right. And, um, you know, stay connected with us at theshamanstv.com for all of our past episodes. What we find is a lot of people ask us questions of things we've already covered. So you could, you know, just spend a day going through our archives like we've been almost talking for a whole year now. There's a lot, of, a lot of stuff that's there, and yeah. I'm happy to point you or Sandra, you know, if you make comments in the direction of where you should, might be looking, and, you know, get out into your community. That's a commitment that I'm going to make. I'm going to try to get out and make one step into my community and show up on a regular basis, and, and I'll, I'm going to formulate that. I'm going to reflect on that, Sandra. You can hold me to it. Okay. <laughs> I'll hold you to it. And uh, for me, it's about, um, it's about finding that desire inside of yourself to hold to the commitment. Um, because uh, we're facing huge change right now, a huge transition. And right now, it's all our choice of how that next wave appears for us. It's our choice. And what choice do you want to be feeding right now? And so uh, thank you, Renee. I really appreciate your, your perspective on all of this and your honesty on all of this. And um, I'm glad that we are part of uh, a worldwide community where we can support each other to go out and be greater forces of change whatever that means for us. And start with reflection. Just start with reflection of what feels right. What is your heart called to you? And what is uh, practical for you to commit to? Thank you, Sandra. I appreciate your point of view as well. Thank you, everyone. And, and blessings for all your love and all your support not just of the shaman's cave, but for all of life.